I did not go into writing the book as an idea that I was going to use it for a marketing tool. It was something I always wanted to write. But once it existed and it was gaining momentum and it was selling, it seemed crazy not to talk about it. I think when we go out in the marketplace, it's you have a hard, there's there's hundreds of thousands of attorneys out there and it's hard to di differentiate yourself. And so whether it's cold calling someone or reaching out to them on a direct message on LinkedIn or being at one of these conferences we all go to, right? How, do, how are you the person that is approaching a client where when they go home in a month, they remember who you are? So then we move to phones and then emails and people got so used to quick responses. You don't have that deep relationship building that you had very early on in my career. It doesn't show that I'm a better attorney than anyone else, but it certainly gives someone a little bit more sense of who I am. And we all like working with people who we feel like we know. I can't stress enough. I think being authentic is, is whether you're an attorney or you're a, a lawyer or, or a legal person who's no longer practicing, but in another industry, people can tell when you're authentic. People want to know that you care about what they're going through. The word you used earlier, empathy, I think is the right one. If you can authentically be yourself and be passionate about the things that you do and that you're that you love, it shows. And those are the type of people that I want to be around. And those are frankly the type of people I want to do business with. Where I did start gaining um, traction was referrals from other attorneys. But I felt like I really needed to take the next step and figure out a way to spend less time marketing, spend my marketing dollars and time actually bringing in business. And so that's where the idea for more referral-based marketing came from. The way that we kind of lay it out today for our clients and the way that I still approach my business is I think of all the categories where people refer me business. I get business from, I'd say like four or five different buckets. And I try to bolt my practice onto basically all those different types of ventures. A lot of the times, you know, how we've grown bull connections is just having conversations with potential referral partners from Mighty Marks. Be like painfully aware of where you're generating your referrals from and actively seek those um, types of referrals out. You talk to enough people, you get really good referral connections. And when you have clients that come through the door that need X, Y, or Z, you know three people that you could potentially you know, refer them to. That's part of the value that you can add as an attorney to your clients is just being a good, good resource for good people. When you are seeking referral partners referral attorney partners, be picky with who you pick to refer work to and from. You should only do work with uh, referral partners that you care about and the, the work that you love to do. There's plenty of work out there for attorneys. Don't spend your time making money doing work that you don't love. You have talent, you should do the work that makes you money and that you love and that you're good at. When I was the Dean of Students, I started a number of leadership programs to really address what I saw as a gap between you know, what the way students were being prepared and the way that I knew students needed to show up on their first day as a lawyer. So I realized it wasn't so much that it wasn't just law schools that weren't preparing, some law schools that weren't preparing law students for these um, leadership things that they needed to know to do well. It's also some of the firms, there's a real opportunity there, I think, to, to enhance the way that we're teaching lawyers um, to show up and, and to lead. At some firms, we will do, say, a 12-month leadership development program focused on associates or partners at a certain level. Um, at smaller firms, it tends to be more focused on the team. And frankly, 
I think leadership development is obviously really important for lawyers, but I think another piece of it that's really important is the team development. What we see is that with the small firms, often um, there's more of an openness to including everybody as part of the team, which I think gets you better results. But if we can also work with the whole team on overall goals or building trust, uh, working on communication skills, then obviously that's just going to um, amplify the results of working with um, people on individual leadership skills. As a leader, it's so easy to just put blinders on and think, you know what, billables are fine, everything's fine, right? And to pull back and think, one, what is the situation actually? And the best way to do that is to talk to your people. They need to feel connected to the mission, the values, and the goals. We see again and again that it's not just the money you save not having to replace people. We see again and again that the, the KPIs end up better, right? It, it, but if you are only focused on the numbers and not paying attention to the people, you're not going to get the numbers you want. The individual leadership development will be much more successful if you also work on team development because the firm is really made up of individual teams and is a team itself. Um, you can't ignore the team for the sake of leadership. So the answer is once they sign up and once they're onboarded, that's when they should really get the bulk of the information about how you operate, how the whole thing works and so on. And so what I what I did was I just really started getting in the shoes of the person that I would want calling the firm and thinking about what specific questions does that person have? It's about listening, right? Especially family law clients. It's really just letting them talk and active listening and empathy. We gather some information, assess a little bit deeper whether we can help them and how, and explaining the, the benefits of working with the firm to help readjust their expectations. And you're going to be much better off long-term. You're increasing the likelihood that the client is going to be happy at the end. Happiness equals reality, what's happening, minus expectations. So it sits in that gap. And so the higher and more unreasonable the expectations, the smaller that gap, the more likely it is that they're gonna be unhappy. So you really have to do work throughout the case to push down those expectations, to manage them properly so that you optimize your chances of having a happy client at the end. Setting and managing expectations will exponentially increase your client's happiness, improve the overall quality of your business. And so take the time to work on onboarding material for clients, be creative, get it in writing, record videos, create some charts, make sure that these people get the info they need upfront so that they know what to expect. You'll have a happier client and also make sure you train your staff on it so that everybody Everybody's working in sync. What's your definition of growth? What's your definition of opportunity? Talk to me. It really boils down to that they're not getting the time, attention, and feedback that they need. Teach them what they should be able to do, actually show them, pull up, and that's a part that's missing. People will teach them, you watch a video or what have you, but they're not connecting the dots of showing them all the different places, your CRM, you're pulling up Lawmatics, you're having the physical file, if you have physical file, show them how all the dots connect and all the pieces, let them go 
and do it. And then they come back and present it to you and then they can grow. I would say my biggest piece is to walk your talk. My recommendation, if you feel like you've tried to enroll people, you feel like you've had this conversation to nauseam and, and you're like, doesn't work. My recommendation and my experience is that you have to consistently show up and do it yourself. Start with you as the attorney. Show up at your next level 10 meeting, or if you don't have one, put one on the calendar and be vulnerable. Then my recommendation is that you make a personal commitment that you are going to drive this thing and you are going to create that turnaround. You want them to come to you with ideas to stop delegating up, to show up prepared and things of that nature. Give them the benefit of the doubt and give them the space and grace and listen you know, twice as much as you speak. More and more attorneys are graduating with so much sat saturation. They had to have an SEO expert. From an SEO point of view, you got to have a good website. Then it comes down to your content strategy. Your content needs to be longer because it will answer multiple versions of intent. There is this certain point that occurs. In the very beginning, when you have no links, you got to do the manual effort. Got to get listed in all the top directories. You got to do editorial outreach, blogger outreach, you know, uh, digital PR, all the things that you hear the SEO people talking about. Once you have a certain number of pages and content library, you start to earn links naturally. How do, where do those links occur? A lot of times statistics pages, calculators, tools. One of the things you could do is incorporate those on your sales pages, keep a consumer engaged on the page longer. Just because it costs more doesn't mean you, you shouldn't do it. And the reason is, is because of the end point, exponential returns, the, the, the non-linear equation. Linear equations, more inputs get more outputs, more ad spend, more social, more content. Referrals are non-linear. Even if you break even, but it contributes to more referrals, you should do it. If you're looking at an SEO, if you're in, you're going to need at least a couple hundred grand. If you're doing SEO and you have some public relations or news, right? That can support your SEO efforts. You can do all this marketing, but you need to have a unique selling proposition. You need to be different. Businesses that have a disproportionate number of marketing and sales thrive more than those that have more operation employees. Well, and here's the thing. It's all about the data. You know, do you, there are some PI cases that will pay out two and sometimes three times over the life of the case. The more they make, the more you make. It creates accountability in your attorneys. I believe that you should bonus, give them a cut of pod profit. All the cases that come in, they're going to have to pay a marketing charge for each case. They've got a monthly overhead charge that they pay. They pay for their people. And then what's left, you can split. They can get anywhere from, you know, 25 to 50% of it. If they're getting bonused on revenue, if they're getting bonused on the revenue that they bring in, the more they make, the more you make. And it doesn't matter whether, whether they're hiring more people and working less or they're working harder to take home more. Either way, more cash, more work is moving through your firm. And the more work, the more profit you get. Owning a law firm is like, eating an elephant. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So it really is do one thing and then do the next thing. You're not always the who. 
And the faster you realize that, the more progress you're going to make towards your goals. What's the next bite you need to take? And who is the right person to hack it off and put it in a bite-sized chunk for you to swallow? Things get easier and the people present themselves and you start to become, you start to let people excel in the areas where they excel, where they have fun and things get done that way. And it's awesome. If I was going to have the impact I wanted to have, I needed to grow my team. I needed to have a business, not just a practice. That's when we've seen the most growth. That's when we've seen the most results. It's also when I've made the most money and had the most sanity and in, had enjoyed the most, you know, the free time outside of the office, had the impact that we want to have. For us, growing the team was really essential to accomplishing the things I wanted to accomplish. The, the crazy thing is I save money that way. It costs me less to provide you health insurance than to pay you more and you go out on the marketplace and get your own, right? Like, I, I, I don't know what it is, but but employees would rather have me take care of that benefit, which really results in kind of less money in their pocket. Why is he able to attract all this talent and we can't make it happen? Here's why. We focus on the culture of our firm because it's very important to us. The way that we do things, the way we treat our clients, the way we require our clients to treat us, it was something like 100 hours of training before he was able to actually do any real work. We, we see the difference there in the results that we get for our clients. You know, Like I said, the way that we do things is different. What we're really teaching people is here's why we do the things that we do. And if you come up with a similar situation, here's the criteria that you should use to evaluate the right answer on it. So if we can do it in a low pressure situation where there's not a client waiting on the other end and we can train on the mistakes, we really empower our employees to learn and grow. If we really embrace who we are and why we do what we do, you know, it, the common wisdom is, is hire slow and fire fast. So you've got to make sure that you attract people who are willing to learn and accept feedback. But before you, if, if someone, if a new employee makes one mistake and you write them off and you never delegate to them again, or you just decide to fire them, I think you're making a huge mistake. Here's the standard. Here's the expectation. Here's the KPI. And if it doesn't get hit, then we can say, you know, we agreed. You agreed that this was going to be your number. What can we do to support you in hitting it? Let's talk about the layered strategy. It's really about where do you need to start from? And we call that the foundation and then layering strategies on top of each other. We talk about strategy stacking, but it's the same thing, right? With like just layering on the different strategies that you need. The first strategy you need to start with really comes down to if you have referral sources or not. You need to start with where you are and then add the first best strategy for based on where you are to get you as fast of results as possible and then layer on what's next. It's important of how you manage that conversation with your referral source to get them to understand who you need referred to you without ever making them feel defensive or like they've done something wrong. There is an art to that conversation. You know, the only thing I always like to have people think about is if you're really serious about taking control of your referrals and you're really serious about, okay, what does this look like for our firm? What does it look like? Because me, I'm the solo owner of this firm. It's just me, or I've got a team of people. I've got other attorneys that should be doing something with referrals. 
when you're on that journey of like, okay, we're going to do something about our referrals, the best place to start, and it's something I've already said, but the best place to start is, do you have referral sources? And identifying that first is absolutely the place you want to start because that tells you everything you need to know about where you go from there. And you're going to see the names of the people who have referred to you. And it's going to force you to ask yourself, okay, am I going to do something different to take better care of these people or am I not? Referrals come from relationships. So if you're going to want to receive referrals, you're going to have to be willing to spend some time cultivating relationships. I don't need you to spend 10, 15, 20 hours a month on it, but I do need you to be willing to think about who are my referral sources and what should I be doing to take better care of them and never ever forget referrals come from relationships. I think that the, the best approach to a solid cybersecurity stance is really a layered approach. That's how you build a solid cybersecurity program, you know, to protect your practice and, and your clients and your data and your livelihood. The threats of today are not the same threats of five years ago or 10 years ago. If you fall for a phishing scam, which there's all different kinds, that has zero impact whether you're on a Mac or a PC. That means it's having multiple different types of you know, protections in place. So you're going to start with having two-factor authentication. You want to be using a password manager because if you don't use a password manager, I guarantee the odds are 90% that you're currently reusing three passwords for everything. Uh, but BobaGuard is priced at $80 per person uh, per month. Um, it's all month to month, you know, so I think you know, 50 to $100 per user is a good budget to invest for, you know, proactive, you know, comprehensive cybersecurity. Are you going to get breached or not, but when? And when it happens, I mean, you want to do everything you can to make sure that when never comes. If it does, you want to make sure you have, you know, the right insurance. At some point, the cyber criminals are like, hey, the easiest way to get through is, is that human element. Generally agreed that 82% of data breaches are has a human element, that, element that's involved. That's why it's important. You've got to be running virus software uh, that's going to protect you from malware and, and viruses and ransomware. Making sure your computers are patched and stayed up to date. You've got, you know, virus and ransomware and malware, you know, removal. You've got DNS web protection. You're scanning the dark web. Um, you know, you've got phishing simulations. There's another really cool uh, tool that not, very few people know about it. It's fairly new. One of my mentors, Dan Sullivan, says that all progress starts by telling the truth. If you want to be honest with yourself, say, hey, this is going to happen one day or another. And, and then it's up to you whether you want to take the proactive action today. Take some proactive, you know, action, whether it's BobaGuard or reaching out to your local IT provider, you know, and saying, hey, what are some cybersecurity solutions I can put into place to protect myself? But don't wait until something happens and, and you know, don't, don't be like people who put in fire alarm systems after their house burns down. keeps going on the way it's going on if it keeps growing and expanding i'm right now if you search new hampshire criminal defense new hampshire dwi attorney i'm the hit i'm the only hit if that is their platform where they're getting in the information i need to go to them i can't expect them to use the same um information sources that i use as a 40 something year old tiktok doesn't care about the content of your comments they care about the engagement right so, and that's the other thing. Don't worry about people. Don't worry about the commenters, right? Good or bad, right? Controversial people, 
those get hits. The only the only comments I care about is if they're racist, misogynist. I block them. They're off. If you you know have a video that hits and it's good information, at some point it's going to be in the bottom of your TikTok feed. And some people will go through your feed, but after a certain point, I mean, they just don't, right? So absent search, they're not going to see that information again. So it's good just to do a refreshed video. Um, I try to post once every two weeks if I can. For the most part, I'm getting at least 10,000 views on each video I throw out there. The most important thing when you're deciding what you're going to post is don't worry about what other people want you to post. Post what you want to post. So same thing with your, your social media content. If you're putting something out there that has purpose because you believe in it and you think it's interesting, that's going to come through in your content. You know, a lot of engagement, a lot of comments. Um, and I think it's because, again, people see the information I'm putting out there as relevant. And I'm also just thinking, you know, what do I want to know if I'm not a lawyer? That gives your video authenticity. That shows the consumer, this isn't a commercial. You're not trying to sell them anything. You're just trying to share information and opinions. And they can relate to you. you got to believe in yourself. You know the law. You're a good lawyer. People are going to hire you. You just got to believe in yourself. technology and web3 technology everything it all harks back to the word community and so if you really understand the power of community and leverage that to the max it's a win-win for everyone and that's the big thing for me with community it's about how can you make it a win-win for everyone within the community so everyone gets some benefit from it but let's look at our scenario jordan like we're a working case study right now right you we have got connected through a community contact there's a warm introduction i've invited you onto my show you've shared all your wisdom i've come onto your show we're helping get distribution reach we're changing people's lives we're trying to inspire people we're educating and that's all come through organic right within a community of a community and suddenly things and opportunities are coming off the back of it that can benefit everyone that's the win-win scenario everybody has something to teach somebody right everybody i genuinely believe we can all learn from any experiences positive adversities in life whatever it might be and be prepared to put something in because the more you put in the more you get out so if you can lead with value and share something that's actually going to be helpful or inspire people it's a great way to increase your brand increase your i guess reputation within the community and more opportunities and more things will come your way consistency is key for community building right so you need to be able to be consistently providing something to your community to give them a reason to stay but i think definitely for a community to thrive you need people within it that are going to be champion voices as well it can't just be one person and you need to be consistent and you need to provide high value things that people actually want to hear and actually when you build the community don't feel like you're building it and just getting more and more numbers listen to your communities actually ask them through leveraging all of the things that we live in with this digital world and all these other resources and everything that i talked about before and building content i can be so much more powerful and build a thought leadership because people want to get to know thought leaders and if people know like and trust you they'll do business with you you'll get more more inbound leads i fear not the man who practiced ten thousand kicks i fear the man who's practiced one kick 10,000 times. And I think it's so important that we remember that because in a world where everything is so busy, there's communities, there's so many things going on, staying in your lane, being each inch wide and mile deep. And that's exactly what I'm doing in my Legally Speaking Club. I'm staying in my lane of legal and careers and I'm being consistent in delivering that. So I'd say, remember that niche down because as you guys say in the US, the riches are in the niches.
They say that the best communicators are actually the best listeners. But the crux of all of it is how presently can you listen? That's really the most important piece of communication, in my opinion. And as I mentioned, I think it's where most law firm owners really struggle. One of the ways that I've continued to, to develop my communication skills, like really just about the two primary things I feel like are listening and empathy development, understanding human emotions. Again, a lot of law firm owners don't really delve into that space with their clients, but it's a really important space to be in because emotions kind of drive everything. Especially if you're a law firm owner, if you're going to be running a successful law firm, sales is incredibly important. Like sales is a whole communication language. That's pretty much based on understanding of emotions and utilizing emotions to get someone to move to the outcome that you want them to, which is to buy your services. Listening is a superpower. The reason why it's such a superpower is if you want more connection, if you want more sales, if you want more uh, like fullness and fulfillment in your life, my one nugget of wisdom is for more people to become listeners. I think the world would become a better place with more listeners. If you are spending a fortune on marketing and you'd like that marketing money to come back to you, then you need to know how to motivate and move someone and inspire someone and articulate your value in such a way that they see you as their first choice, not the very expensive second choice. You want to be able to let them know, my name is Mary. I'm going to be helping you. I'm the intake specialist here. Let's start with a little information. I want to tell people the five things that a potential client is thinking in the first few minutes they're meeting with you. They're asking themselves, do I like the way you interact with me? Do you listen to me? Do you get me and my situation? Do you truly understand that? Do I trust and believe in you? And do I like the way that you are interacting with me in a way that makes me feel like I'm the most important person you'll talk to today? All of those are going through someone's head. They're asking themselves, do I like the way this person is making me feel like a human being. If you have the right skills when you are meeting someone and you understand what the potential client brain needs in order to make a decision, they have a process in their brain that, that you have to satisfy in order for them to feel confident and comfortable in hiring you. Create your process to match that and sit down and meet with people who retain you versus the competition. You can increase your closing rates, your conversion rates so much by understanding they come in with a process and you have a process, just match it up and it makes it so much easier. It's time to update your outdated process. And I ask attorneys this, do you want to be a modern attorney or do you want to lose business to one?
are such an overworked industry. Legal is known for workaholics, type A personalities. I'm a former workaholic, but the data suggests that actually working less can make you better. We're an outsource group and we work because we outsource all the pieces that we don't want to be good at. Notice I didn't say we're not good at. I said we don't want to be good at. Sometimes it's okay to automate something that's less volume if it's literally causing brain block and you just can't you can't do this anymore, but you really want to focus on volume a little bit more. If you're going to outsource, don't just drop everything into their laps. The things that you would hire a teenager or your mama's brother's sister's cousin to help out, whatever task you've thought about sending out to those kind of people, outsource those today. Outsource the admin and then get better at your own technology. And then you'll have some breathing space to hire someone new. I think the biggest piece is like, just don't give up on the process itself and make sure you're giving all of these ideas priority. And that means not pushing it off on someone brand new you hire who also doesn't know what the heck they're doing. So if you're going to push this kind of building of your operation down to them, then send them to the conferences, right? Send them to talk to Jordan, send them out in the world to learn about the legal tech instead of you so that they can become your expert for you. Built for your team either the team you have or the team you want to have. If you are planning on not being involved in the day-to-day, all day, every day, then stop building for you and build for the team. When you first, like my experience, right? When I first started my law firm and Jordan, maybe you have the same experience, but I I didn't think like, okay, I'm starting today is it's 9 a.m. on my first day. Okay, 9.01 a.m. What am I delegating? I I would have had like an office legal assistant from day one and a personal assistant from day one. Even pre-revenue, zero, zero revenue, right? And my first X amount of dollars that I would have brought in would have been allocated to those people have more lunches, you know, talk to more people, network with more attorneys. I can get more cases if I'm not stuck just doing all of the, you know, like sending my own faxes. The reason you don't have the money is because you haven't hired someone. If you can remove all the emotion and you say it's math, one hour equals this amount of money, two hours equals this amount of money. If you make more than about $40,000 a year, you should have an assistant. If you want to get more in your business, you have to put more out of your business. You have to file more, you know, pleadings. You have to get, sign up more cases. If I could make X amount of dollars with five employees and make the same exact amount with 10, I'll probably respect the person who's been efficient enough to do it with five, right? What I tell people is your email lawyers, we're slaves to our email. That'll save you 20 hours a week if you do it the right way. Have someone else answer your phones. Your calendars, of course, you don't need to be a slave to your calendar. there is value in trying to create a system around absolutely everything. So you can go, all right, this runs without me. What else can I do? 
always include your team. You are not making systems in a box and systems are not to replace people. They're to help people grow into better positions. And I could do a whole spiel about this, but what I will say is start to finish, unless it is something you do autonomously from others, you should involve the people who do the system or will be doing the system if that's possible for you. Systems and processes are living documents always. And if you're not keeping them updated, making sure you're following them, implementing it the same way you would a core value. Like when something happens, you go back to the system and look at it and say, hey, did we follow this? The added bonus of building your systems is you're documenting the value of your business. It makes it a whole lot easier to evaluate and evaluate that company if it is on paper, because you have now built something that's an asset for the company that stays behind. So you've empowered your people, you freed up your time, you've created collaboration on your team, and there's a whole lot of financial benefit that you leave behind by doing all that. The the one thing I would like to add is that um, as you include your people in your system, watching your people become the biggest advocates of the system is probably the most fun thing you get to do. They need to feel like they're a huge part and we never weaponize our system against people. It is always that they get in the fight with us and we are fighting against bad systemic outcomes, not bad people. It gives you a lot of clarity on who you keep on your team and who you don't because the unforgivable sin is not showing up or breaking the law, not not doing your job well. You have visibility to all of it. That that pivotal shift for a business is so much fun to be a part of. System and process development gets a lot easier when you know, like Meredith was saying, what the true north is. So if you have not already really anchored in what the intention of your business is, now is a great time to do that. What is your aim? What is your intention? Because you can make a lot of value judgments a lot easier as you're building your processes if you have that in place. You know, how does Stephen King tell a story? How does Tom Clancy tell a story? And making it compelling so that people want to know, that's very important for being a a lawyer. And well, I think in in virtually in any business, your ability to tell a a good story uh, is pretty critical. If you want to be a better storyteller, you need to just start telling stories. From a lawyer perspective, it all starts with getting the information. So if you're going to be telling your client's story, um, whether it's to a jury or a judge or a district attorney or a you know defense counsel or whatever, you need to know the information. And that means learning how to ask good questions, to dig down deep, find out what's really going, determining what is your theme, what is it that you, you know, what is the message that you're trying to get, keeping it simple instead of having 15 different themes, you try to narrow it down to one. And then and then it's just practicing. Just get out there and just tell the story over and over until you get good at it. I don't think it makes any difference um, whether you're on stage and presenting it or whether you're sitting in, you know, uh, in the judge's chambers trying to convince him to to give your client a deal um, or you're talking to opposing counsel or you're in front of a jury. It's still storytelling and it's making an impact on them so that they feel what it is that you want them to feel. And once you understand what the message is that you want to get across, then it's a matter of just, you know, honing it in. You know, um, telling the story, why should they hire you? Why are you worth more, uh, you know, the the fee that you're charging? That's all storytelling. It, it, it all boils down to telling a story and getting comfortable with it. 
being able to tell your own story in a compelling way that connects with people, I think is pretty important. All of that put together helped make us financially successful. And by having the financial success, we were able to, to hire you know, great people to continue doing the work. We have this amazing mind is capable more than people dumbfounded if they really understood how capable we are of, of what our mind can actually do, but we're not given an owner's manual to it. But the truth is, is that the biggest problem that we have is nobody has ever taught us how to think productively because our intellect, everything about our intellect is creative. And because people don't understand that, they get stuck in the idea of what they were told about the world that they live in. And that becomes their reality. This is the very first step. The question is, what do you want? We're actually raised with the idea that we can't have what we want. The biggest step for us is to, is to step into the full ownership of the idea of what do we actually want. It really, fundamentally, it's everything because you are either creating a life and a business based on what you want or what somebody else told you that you want. I am not an advocate for the only way to be successful is to work yourself to death. I believe in diligent work, that you can create a business where it works for the amount of hours that you want to work and you can still have like the size of the business or the productivity or the, the financial income from it at the same time. Here's where the discrepancy shows up. It looks as if those two things aren't working together, but the question would be, what are they not doing right now that would actually lead to the creation of the business that way? And it usually comes down to they don't think that they can afford to hire the people that they need to build the business out the way that they want. And that's abs they got it totally backwards. Make a decision to go and do it immediately. Go do it, buy it, get it, whatever it is. Do that first because now you open the door. You started a pattern heading down the right road. Everything will begin to show up after that. If this is really about saying yes to yourself, we were born to be a success and success is actually easy. We've been taught that it's hard and we've been given terrible owner's manual for the way to use our mind when it comes to the success that we want. There's a question that I ask myself often, and there's a question that I think lawyers should ask themselves often, law firm owners, and that is that those four words that you said, what do I want? And I think that there's great value in asking yourself that question four times. I mean, those four things, I think that's a whole framework for where you're headed. It really distills down. Too many people are just going along and not really reflecting. But in those moments of solitude or quiet or breathing or driving to work where you can reflect on what you want to build, I think that's where the real power comes in. It's it's very easy to get caught up in the urgent matters of the day, but you've got to set aside time and you got to have good oversight and you got to ease people into it and you got to trust them and you have to have good systems. You also have to let go of the fact that you can make a mistake too and you're not perfect. The goal should always be give some autonomy, but give some guardrails, give some supervision and give some grace if they make a mistake. Don't go all ape and... And if you make a hire and it doesn't work out, doesn't mean you should never hire again. It just means you didn't make a good pick. And you want people to think that you're obsessed about this topic. It makes you more referable. 
It makes you more relatable. It makes that connection between you and that one word stronger. But I want people to think that I think about immigration all day long. I really think that effective marketing involves having somebody as a boogeyman, as an opponent, as an enemy that you can market against. I think trust your gut. Figure out how to get better in touch with your intuition. You don't have to hire a coach. You don't have to do all this reading. The answers are inside you most of the time. And if you can settle and be quiet, find a little space, the answer will reveal itself to you. It might be as you wake up in the morning. It might be when you're taking a shower. It might be on a long walk. The answer is in there if you can be quiet for just a little bit to let it surface for you. One of my marketing isms to convince the mind, you have to capture their heart. That comes through story. That comes through relationship. That comes through, for me, a lot of video. I'm going to do my thing. And if you like Michael, then let's talk. But if this bothers you, go away because this is all you get. And it attracts my ideal client. People who connect with me, they, they smile. They're like, I like you. I'm like, Good. Let's talk. How can I help you? It just, but. You have to get, you have to be genuine. And if genuine's a Hawaiian shirt, awesome. You're a thought leader. That's what, that's who people want to work with. That's the power of authority and authorship so that you can continually gain business as an awesome lawyer. Just be, you. become human. Maybe that's it. Become human. Let people connect with you. And it's going to be a whole lot more fun for you and you're going to get a lot more people connecting and bonding with you at an emotional heart level, that's going to do more for your business than anything else. But I'm here to find out, are, are, do we connect? Are you the right attorney for me? If you do these types of things that we're talking about, position yourself with authority, but do it in a right way with humility in the servant's heart, your marketing is going to just continually grow and it's going to be so much fun. And get, I, I tell people, give your book out. Give it out to everybody in your community. You want to become a household name in your community. You want to be known as the resource. That's what you want to do with your book because then you are the authority. You're the one that people look to. It, it's a great position to be in. Begin with your story. Be genuine and let people connect with who you are more than what you do. Thank you for listening to this episode of Exhibit A Attorneys. If you're interested in becoming the Exhibit A of successful attorney, please check us out at LegalEaseMarketing.com, E-A-S-E. 